Hi, this is Liz Tinkham, and welcome to Third Act, a podcast about people embracing the third act of their lives with a new sense of purpose and direction. The third act begins when your script ends, but your show's not finished. Hi, and welcome to Third Act. On today's show, I talk with David Harry Stewart, the super agist. David is the founder and face of Agist, a new media company and agency that champions the vitality, capabilities, and influence of the modern 50 plus. You know, people like me, which is why I so enjoyed interviewing him. David's second act was as a professional photographer, but he eventually realized that there was something just not right in photographing 20 and 30 year olds for products targeted at people over 50. So he and a friend decided to launch their agency, Aegis, to represent the mindset and aspirations that drive this influential demographic. Today, he is a passionate champion and leading authority for those of us in the modern 50 plus age group. Good morning, David, and welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me today. You're welcome. As I mentioned in the intro, you have a successful podcast called The Super Age. How did you come up with that title and what does it mean to you? Well, who doesn't want a super age? Well, I want a super age. So tell me what you're meaning by that. Well, it means um, living your best life now. And I think that um, so much of the media attention out there is more like, let's live a diminished age. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I know. I know. <laughs> I we'll, get, age. we'll get to that a little bit, but let me go back to your sort of first act. So uh-huh. where did you go to school and how did you end up as a professional photographer? In high school, I was kind of a shy kid and uh, I, I was uh, highly imaginative, which led to my fellow students and teachers not really understanding me too well. Mm-hmm. So I just, um, you know, got really quiet. And uh, so they interpreted that as me being dumb. And I was told I couldn't handle going to college because I wasn't smart enough. So I said, well, fuck, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> what's the I'm hardest going. thing I'm going, what's the hardest thing I can do? So I went to engineering school, which is sort of like joining the Marines. It's super yeah. hard. Yes. Still, I went to engineering school too. It is super hard. It's super hard. And it was, it was back in the day when things were not PC and you would get like yelled at and humiliated. Yep. It was, it, it was tough. Um, so I did that um, and I did really well. Um, but I decided I didn't really want to be an engineer because um, it was just too focused on one thing and mm-hmm. I wanted to learn more. And I didn't like the idea of like sitting around for work all the time. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I went to Boston University and I got a degree in political science, but that was liberal arts was so much easier than engineering that at the same time I enrolled in photography school at night in this little uh, technical school that was Kenmore Square in Boston, New England School of Photography. And then uh, and I think I had a job too. Anything is easier than engineering school. I would agree. Yeah. My so first hard. job was easier than engineering school. And it's just so hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then um, at, I think I was like 23 and I just declared myself a photographer. I just said, you know, um, if you say it, you are. And, you know, in like a few months, I was getting like commercial jobs and I had my first ad in Vogue and I was 24. And Who was, was it for? Who was your first ad for? Do you remember? Uh, I was like clothing company. I don't remember exactly who I it was. Joan Severance was the model. And um, I forget the name of the brand. And then I moved to Paris um, and I worked for the magazines there. And then I came back and I worked in New York for about 25 years. 
um, for all the magazines. I did like a dozen covers in New York Times Magazine. I did maybe a thousand advertising campaigns. I traveled all over the world. And uh, it's a super fun job. Um, that world doesn't really exist anymore, but it what, did when I was there. It was fun. So why did, I mean, I know that uh, print advertising has certainly decreased. Is that why it doesn't exist anymore? Yeah, the, the economics of the ecosystem just yeah. don't work. So the magazines were supported by print advertising, um, print advertising like cratered. Right? Basically what happened was digital. Mm-hmm. So digital like changed everything. It changed the means of production, the means of distribution, and the means of consumption. And all of that meant that, you know, there were like maybe 50 people in the world who could do what I did. Um, and suddenly <laughs> that moat was no longer there. Yeah. And the means of consumption on the other end, digital and then social media. So the everything just kind of went upside down on that. So there are, I mean, there had to have been thousands of photographers working at the time you were working. And obviously, if you were able to make a career out of it, you must have been really good. What do you think distinguished your abilities over others such that you were able to keep going with that career and build on it? Well, I'm stubborn. Okay. Um, and, uh, um, you know, I had this degree in mechanical engineering. So yeah. uh, the, the tactical stuff which back then in the beginning was like really a big deal. Like you couldn't, it wasn't like a phone. There was no like autofocus, there was no auto anything. It was transparency film and you really had to know what you're doing. So, you know, I, that was good. And I'm pretty good with aesthetics and um, I don't know. It just sort of so you just out. had that edge and you were yeah. able to work it, it was out. Just like a, it was just like a combination of things like, I'm, um, I've had agents, photo agents tell me like, I'm sort of unique in that I have this left brain and right brain thing uh-huh. that m- most photographers aren't. They're sort of like one or the other, they're mm-hmm. like super technical or they're like super creative and I can sort of do both. Got it. Got it. So eventually you realize you're shooting ad campaigns for purchases who are over 50, but the photos are of people who are younger. Why was that? And, and what did you do about it? You, you kind of had this sort of <laughs> moment, right? Pretty much everything is bought by people over 50. And the only things that are like exclusively not, I mean, maybe you're like, you know, a forever 21 or something. I don't know, but there's <laughs> Kylie like, Jenner lip pump. Right. That stuff. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. okay. But I mean, if you're not in that world, everything else is people over 50. You know, the, the largest consumer segment for Apple products is men over 65. They buy more than anybody else. You're kidding. No, who knew? Men over 65. Yeah. Wow. I mean, they're not just buying them for themselves. They're buying them for everybody in the family. Yeah, for their, their family, right. 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 Okay. But, but they're the ones writing the check. So it's not the the 23-year-old is not going out and buy a MacBook Pro or, or the latest iPhone or anything. Yeah. <laughs> their parents. So what was interesting to me was that I came to realize that we were selling products and services to a consumer base that was not buying them only essentially because of laziness on the part of the you know, brand people, because that's all they knew how to do. And it, it didn't make any sense to me at all. I mean, I understood they were like involved in the decision-making cascade, but they weren't the ones actually doing it. So I thought, well, that's a little bit of dissonance there. What's up with that? Like, how can we investigate that and see see what's going on? And so you were saying to me that the the advertisers were asking the wrong questions. They weren't asking how people see themselves in the future. Yeah, that's right. 
that what were they asking? Like, were they looking at? Yeah, they've been looking at the wrong stuff. Um, yeah. I, I mean, they've gotten a little better at it now. This was like seven years ago, but you know, seven years ago, there was this sort of immediate sort of reflex. We want the 23 to 28 year old consumer because they have this long consuming ramp and, and, and basically, well, Bob's doing that. So we should do that sort of mentality. Yeah. Um, and they're, you know, in the creative departments, uh, you know, an art director and advertising sort of tops out around 32, maybe. Oh, my goodness. Creative director, yeah. like 38. So, you know, they're going to sort of sell to the people they know and question this. And they say, well, we can't time travel into the future. Um, and that's sort of our advantage. We can time travel back. Mm-hmm. They can't time travel forward. Got it. <laughs> and, you know, they were doing this um, sort of quantitative analysis, which is like big data analysis. They'll, they'll say, okay, we want a consumer that's between, you know, whatever age is like 45 to 55. This is the income level. This is the zip code, the educational level, all that stuff. So that, that's how they were doing it. But it was a total fail. Because it doesn't tell you, I mean, it tells you something. It's not a total fail. It tells you a little bit. But the main thing you want to know, but the crux of the whole thing about what determines someone's behavior, and that includes their consuming behavior, is how do they see themselves in the future? In the future, right. So do they see this sort of long health span, optimistic, open? So if you have that, you're open, you're curious, you're going to try new things. If you think it's game over in five years, why on earth would you try anything new? No. Yeah. You're just like, your curiosity closes down, your access to new information, your desirability, your desire for new information goes down, and you, um, you become sort of fossilized. Um, so you really, you know, what we found was you, you want these people who are thinking positively, optimistically about their future. And guess what? If you think optimistically about your future, you're going to behave in a way to cause that to happen. Yeah. And you're going to um, buy the products that are going to that are going to help that. you do that. And, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, buy a new house. Okay, great. Oh, new car, a new whatever, because I'm going to be around. But if I think I'm, it's game over in five years, like, hey, let's go join Jimmy Buffett and drink myself to death, like whatever. So that's, I mean, and there's a, you know, whatever, people can do whatever they want to do. They're not, those people are not the people that I understand. And so you said that you sent a newsletter or questionnaire out to 50 of your friends. Yeah. So, and what'd you, like what you asked them? <laughs> go ahead. Well, I just, it was like the beginning of our publishing. Yeah. So it was this very basic sort of text. I mean, I, maybe we put a picture in it. I don't even know. Um, <laughs> it was really pretty basic. It was basically just an email that said, you know, hey, welcome to Aegis. Um, and I think- Oh, this is a, the start of Aegis. So you yeah, have the idea. Yeah, this is the start of Aegis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But it was like 50, not 50,000. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> very different thing. And, and so you were seeking information from them on what, what they no, were, we weren't, we weren't seeking information. On okay. Them. We were just publishing. We just said like, ah, okay. Hey, look at these interesting people. Look at this, like interesting stuff that's going on. Yeah. 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 And so you and a friend decide to launch, is it the Aegis media agency at this point? Well, what yeah, was your this, intent? Well, the intent, um, we discovered this anomaly yeah. that there are all these people out there who are not being properly addressed, who are, mm-hmm. you know, essentially being infantilized told that they, you know, there is no future. Be very scared. This is a horrible thing. Right. Being force fed as uh, I don't know if you ever listened to Scott Galloway on pivot, but he always says CNN force feeds you insurance and, and uh, drug yeah. ads all day. It's that horrible. Stuff. 
Yeah. Well, it, 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 it works great with cable news because cable news is all about be scared, be very scared, watch more, yeah. get more yeah. scared, get more scared. And then and then it's like, oh, well, yeah, pharma and AARP and all this stuff. Dove, dovetables really, really well into that mindset. Right. Be scared. OK. <laughs> you know, I am scared. I am scared. I'm going to watch right. more CNN and, and right. buy this weird or Fox shit. News, whichever one but, I pick. Right. Yeah, okay. whatever. <laughs> so um, we we saw this anomaly and we understood this future looking pivot point. And mm-hmm. so then we did a lot of research. We did thousands of hours of recorded video interviews to really understand this better. Like um, what are the drivers? What are the ambitions? What's going on here? What's different between me and, you know, my parents or me and, you know, my, my wife's family's from North Georgia. So 63 North Georgia is a very different thing than like the people that I know. So what, what are those differences? And, and let's understand that. And we knew even seven years ago, starting a media company was suicidal because um, mm-hmm. you are going up against Fox and CNN and Facebook and Google. So you're going to lose unless you have just, you know, endless amounts of capital. And we had had we had access to some of the internal financials of other recently lost launched media companies. And we saw like the amount of money they were spending on the churn versus the revenue. It was impossible. It was just like mm-hmm. a business impossibility. So we said, okay, well, we, we're not going to do that. Um, we'll, do, we'll do publishing, but let's make our money with our knowledge base. Yeah. So let's go to brands and you know, companies and say like, hey, we know a lot about this customer. And my guess is this is one of your main customers. Um, and if it's not, it should be. And here we can talk to you. We can tell you like what they're about and what channels they use and how to talk to them and what they're interested in. And mm-hmm. this might be useful to you. Is the agency, the agents, tell us a little bit about everything you do as part of that. What we have here, what you see when you go to ages.com is you see a, a media front end to what is a, a consultancy. So most people, 99% of the people who interact with us are readers of the content, mm-hmm. are people who enjoy the whole 360 ecosystem. We have developed around this positive, sort of vital, vivid, forward-leaning sort of person. And, you know, through, and we don't, we, once in a while, we do a famous person, but not too much. Mm-hmm. It's um, more like, hey, these are kind of like regular people hidden in plain sight that are doing cool stuff. Um, you want to know how to do that here? This is what they did. Um, and then we talk about health and science and travel and fashion, and a lot of other things that are mm-hmm. confusing to people. Then the other part of what we do, this agency we have, and so we model our business after the way Mon- Monocle, Monocle Magazine is really sort of the media front end for Wink Design. So that's Tyler Brulace. So Wink Design does like the branding for the country of Finland, but they have this media, you know, they have this sort of media front end and the two work synergistically and, and Vice back then was sort of similar. So Vice was essentially a production company that produced this stuff. Right. But they didn't make any money on the production of the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it was all like working for AT&T and Microsoft and people like that. Yeah. And so that's so that's what we that's still um, what we do. So we work with big. We just did a big thing for the largest sneaker company in the world. And I can't tell you the name because it'll cut my head off. Right. Um, we work for big, you know, car companies, finance companies, consumer companies, it's sort of we do a range of stuff depending on 
what you need. And they're all manifestations of this knowledge base that we have. So it could be, you know, you want uh, your finance company and you really like numbers. So, okay, we'll do like a big quant analysis for you. You want, uh, you know, qualitative feedback on whatever you're up to. Um, we can do that. We produce white papers. We produce branded content that lives on other people's channels, on our channels. And your knowledge base is all based on these aspirational older yes. people. Is that correct? Yeah. So really, um, my data people tell us our, our sort of like core people, our core knowledge is 18% of the population between 50 and 70. Now, what's interesting about that is... It's pretty impressive. 18%. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, the other, whatever it is, 82%, we don't know anything about. Right. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but a lot of those 82% look to the 18% as role models and influencers and like, how do we get this right? And, so, and I tell the brands that we work with, I said, you know, just slightly under 50% of our readers are under 50 and 25% of them are under 30. Wow. So if you hit the button right, you speak to everybody up and down the age column because you're cool. Yeah, <laughs> I see what you're saying. Cool. Yeah. You no, know, don't don't stop it with the golden retriever and the dockers on the beach and all that shit. <laughs> like, you know, the Viagra ads and the like, you know, really? Uh, you know, so we don't, that's what we do. We so do, cool, do you cool miss? Yeah. So do you miss being a photographer? Or are you still doing some yeah. of that? I mean, I still do it for, it's super fun. It's such a fun job. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, I had such a good time. Um, I was really, really lucky to be in that world in a time when it was really thriving. Right. Uh, so now uh, I still have that skill set yeah. and I use it really just for, I don't work for anybody else, um, just ageist or sometimes one of our brands wants us to, um, wants me to do something for them, but, but otherwise yeah. Well, talk. your web, I mean, your website is beautiful visually Thanks. as it would be because you. you're a photographer, but we'll, <laughs> we'll come back to that. One of the things I love is you offer this really interesting class called mastermind. Talk about the yeah. class and what it is. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we do um, a couple of times a year, we do these, they're really master classes, but I just love being able to say mastermind. Okay. <laughs> it's so James Bond, like, ah, oh, mastermind. <laughs> Do we get to shoot guns if we go or uh, well, <laughs> interesting? Like does what's his name come or what's her name come and show us all the cool gadgets oh, blank on the guy's name. Okay. It's um, so what it is, it's, it's really a master class in how to super age. And oh, okay. it's a very tight group. Um, we keep it like, you know, 10 to 15 people and it's super high touch. You know, when, before you join, you have to apply and then you talk to me for, you know, a half hour, an hour. And one of my superpowers is like in 10 minutes of you telling me about whatever's going on with you, I can like right away say like, okay, stop. <laughs> you need to do X, Y, Z. Okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, we break the, the super age program. What we realize is people, everybody wants the blue pill or the red pill and it's really more about the basics. So I say like, listen, we need to get what we call the big rocks straight first. So that's mm -hmm. what are you eating? Exercise, how are you moving? Let's talk about your sleep and let's talk about de-stressing, how you're dealing with that. Mm -hmm. And so we have this Venn diagram of how these things interact. And if you're weak in any one of those, the other ones don't work. 
So you got to you got to get all four of those straight, and then we can talk about the exotic stuff. But those four things—that's like 95 percent of it. So we, you know, we help people sort of navigate that in a, you know, depending on what we're talking about. I can be very prescriptive with telling people like, all right, this is how you get sleep. Like, all right, okay, so you need to be able, you, you need to do this. Okay. With food, it's more generalized because it's so uh, individualistic. Like we each, you know, sort of digest, process foods. We have different levels of activity, different things we want to do. So that's a little different, um, but we still, we tell people like, especially with the food, very few people have any idea of what they're eating. Like, like, like none. Um, they just eat mm -hmm. sort of mindlessly. Right. And they, and they'll say, well, I eat, you know, I eat vegetables or I eat this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, well, how many grams of protein did you eat today? And yeah, they just like, look know. at me like, like no idea. So right. that's sort of like the first thing is like this, the most fundamental thing that you do. It's not your bank account. It's not how fast, you know, how fast your car goes, you know, like all these other metrics in your life, but you don't know this. So let's get real about this and then see where we can go with that. So we do that. And then we, I think it's very important that people have a cohort, that they have a gang. And oftentimes the people who join, it's, it's, it's a really wide range of experiences. You know, you have people who like have a, a B in their net worth and people who are much more humble and they also work together because they, everybody has this desire of where they want to go, which is mm -hmm. living the super best age, life. Right. super age. Right. Right. Like, how do you do this? You know, how do you make, you know, disease essentially an option, not yep. a requirement. Yeah. So, you know, uh, lifestyle choices have consequences. And through this, you talk through all that and help them yeah. figure that out. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I want to pivot a little bit to the um, sure. part of the interview where I get to learn something from you because you're yeah, got ask me an anything. awesome podcast called Super H, which by the yeah. way, I was listening to prior to Bradley Sherman introducing us. So oh, because, yeah, yeah, right. Then so. He's brilliant, um, by the way. What's that? Bradley. He's brilliant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And his book is The Super it's H. Great. It's, it's great. It's great. Great. We yeah. interviewed him in January. I interviewed him in January. I'm still quoting like things from that book because it was so amazing. But you have such a wide variety of guests from yeah. health, relationships, fashion, mm -hmm. travel, et cetera. You know, how do you like talk about how you got that podcast going? Because kind of it's not <laughs> the exact same as mine, but it's targeting some of the same groups. How did you get going? Where do you find your guests, et cetera? So I find the guests like now we're we're much bigger now. So people I get hit up endlessly. Oh, people um, come to you. And yeah, just like and you have to weed them out. I get some of that, not as much PR people like, and most of that's just like delete, 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 delete. And then oftentimes it's somebody that I come across, um, somebody that I meet or I, some like tangentially, somebody will tell me about like, oh, this person's wrote this really interesting book. You should check them out. And I bring people on that, you know, fundamentally, they're just interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Like I want to talk to them. And I figure like, you know, uh, the baseline outcome is I have an interesting conversation with an interesting person mm -hmm. and maybe somebody else likes it too. Okay, cool. That I've never been able to, you know, like in my photography career, the way we run editorial at Aegist, I have no, I can't get into anybody else's head. Like then I'm just, get, I just get lost. It's like, well, what do you <laughs> I, like? I don't know. Right. But if you ask me, what do I like? Oh, I can tell you that. 
So that's just sort of how I make the decisions. It's like, oh, I like you. You're interesting. And, you know, you have some sort of interesting thing that I want to learn about. And my guess is if I want to learn about it, there's somebody else out there who wants to learn about it too. Yeah, that's the way I feel about it too. So we just did for my podcast, we just did like a recap, 60th episode recap, and we kind of summarized some of the fun things we've learned. I mean, as you think about it, I know you have hundreds of guests, but I mean, what are some of the things that you're learning about super aging from your guests? Sort of the main thing is that we have... First of all, science matters. Yeah, um, yeah. You have a if, lot of really interesting, like if, health experts. I've noticed. Yeah, if you're going to come, different topics. Yeah, it's not goop. Like, if you want to come on <laughs> and you're going to tell me some, like, I listened to some very popular podcast guy the other day in the sauna, and I was like, I was like, oh my god, why are you telling people that? You're going to like kill them. You know, if you're going to come on and you're going to say something, you better have some like science behind that or okay. you're not coming on to say it. Okay. Like, so no Joe Rogan, anti-vax, vax doesn't <laughs> Ivermectin no, and all that shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, 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 we don't, we don't, we don't roll like that. You know, yeah. Like Rogan will just have anybody on just because they're controversial. I I, I don't do that. It's okay. like I feel like I've got a responsibility here as the gatekeeper. And if I'm going to bring somebody on, you're either funny because I like funny or you know, entertaining or, mm-hmm. you, or, 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 or you've got something like, You've spent the last, you know, 30 or 40 years researching whatever, mm-hmm. and your peers think that you're really smart and you know what you're doing. So, okay, why don't you come on and explain this, whatever it is. And then, so my job is to sort of be the, the Sherpa, the interpreter of like, what does this mean? So I think that their behavior has consequences and there's a lot that you can impact based on what are you eating? How are you exercising? All that sort of stuff. And I th- also think that people are somewhat on, not everyone, but a lot of people are unaware that the state of science medicine these days, you know, we, you sort of look back at like, you know, when they originally mapped the human genome for, I don't know what that cost them, like a hundred million dollars or something. And now you can like, mm-hmm. you know, 200 bucks, you get a ton. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. Right. It's amazing. And so what, what's happening here is it's this, um, and actually COVID has helped massively with this because it's caused scientists, like the vaccines were actually developed through Zoom. Oh, we have the collaboration part of yeah, it? Yeah, all the collaboration. Isn't yeah, that like amazing? Wow, People used to that. just live in these little silos and not really talk to each other. And because of COVID, they've gotten acclimated to the idea of talking to, you know, here we've, there's like, you know, Bob in Budapest, who's got some kind of lab, like, oh, interesting. Let's talk to him. So I, what's happening is we're moving from a time of organ, re, sort of organ repair to organ regeneration. And this is a just massive, massive change. And, you know, people like right now, even so what COVID has done is it's, on a, for a, a regular person, for like a you know, consumer, a patient, it's moved the, a great deal of responsibility for their own health and well-being off of their primary healthcare doctor to them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it's like, you're in charge of- right. you, you wear know, a mask, you, you wear a mask. Stuff, you do, yeah. Right. You know, make sure your vitamin D's up, like what's your right. BMI, all that stuff. So that's your responsibility, not theirs. So that's, a, that's a shift. This, and- that combined with what's happening with like the wearables 
and understanding what you're in, what's really going on inside your body rather than just like, you know, once a year you go and go to see your doctor and, he, and they say, and they, they either say, Oh yeah, it looks okay. Or, Oh, we should keep an eye on that. Like, like what does that mean? Like, yeah. can you please like give me a little color on that? Right. <laughs> so, and, and as we're moving into this or that combined with this sort of organ regeneration, which is what's happening is this. So the underlying DNA is being, they figured out how to signal that. That's That's a really big deal. And so you see in the longevity, all a lot of stuff that was just sort of like science fiction four or five years ago is not now like actually happening. And they're, you know, they're starting with like mice and then sort of moving up. Uh, but I've talked to the people who are involved in this and it's, thinking it's well within the realm of possibility, I'll say. That you can regenerate your organs. Yeah, that someone is going to be, people are going to be living much longer. Much healthier as well, And much healthier for longer, yes. But to do that, that's what I tell people in the the Super Age Masterminds, that like, you got to keep your organ systems in good shape for the next eight to 10 years so that you will be able to take advantage of all these things. I was very influenced by a book called uh, Younger Next Year. I don't know if you oh, ever I love that read book. It. Oh, they're so funny, those guys. I love them. Well, yes. that book changed my life. Right. Because I read it right as I retired. And it basically said, you know, exercise six days a week. Yeah. Everything That's, in yeah. moderation and don't right. lose your friends. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I like it. That's um, right. That's the summary of how to live, how to die. Yeah. You know, like I want to be skiing when I'm 96 and just fall over on the, the mountaintop. Right. So as opposed to living in a hospital. So no, we don't want that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And that's I'm like, OK, that that's the life I want now that I've retired. So I've been I, I've been very true to that book since I've read it. But as you think about back to the ageist and your brand, mm-hmm. your advertising and what people are doing, I mean, you said you had 18% of your database. I mean, do you think how, how many people as they get older are starting to think this way and how Mm. long before like general advertising trends, everything catches up with it? Because one thing I see, and I think it came out heavily during the, the pandemic was, you know, the comorbidity problem with COVID, the correlation between being obese or being, you know, it's huge. And so I just see like, you know, how long is it going to take for the, you know, the 82% of the population to catch up? There's a lot of sort of overlapping issues here. The refrigerator magnet approach of, remember those like dr- your drugs are bad and you put that like on your refrigerator? Like, yeah. Yeah. How will <laughs> yeah. that work? <laughs> for your kids, yeah. Brain <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, your, your brain on drugs. So I, I think that on a societal level, People confuse health with fat shaming mm-hmm. and having, carrying a lot of fat on your body is a disease state. Let's mm-hmm. just get real about that. That's what that is. That is a comorbidity. This is not just an inconvenience. It's not an appearance thing. It is a disease state. Yeah. Um, and doctors are like, they don't want to, for some reason, they don't want to say that. They don't want to say like, hey, okay, this is your condition and this is your outcome. Like this is, let's get real about that. So 
I, I think there's part of that. I think there's people get confused with this idea of, um, you know, give me a little slack. I'm, you know, I'm going to have a Big Mac tonight. And this is sort of involved in this idea of the optimistic, what's your view of the future? And if you don't feel good about your future, mm-hmm. you're not going to feel that good about your present and you're going to behave in a way that's going to cause your future to not be so good yeah. because you, and some of this is, it's sort of tied up in, I don't deserve it or it's not possible. And this is where, you know, if there's like an underlying reason for what we do at Aegis, it's that where we say, you do deserve it. And it's not impossible. I'm not saying it's not going to be hard. It's not sitting in an easy, you know, lazy boy watching TV, you know, pumping donuts. It's you got to you got to take some actions here for this to happen. And a lot of these actions involve your body's stress adaptation response, which means you need to stress your body. And that means different kinds of exercise and how you're eating and these, these various different things. And people just sort of are like, they're unconscious of what, in a way of what they're eating. And that's okay. I mean, you know, if you don't, if you want to be like that, fine. I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. So to answer your question, there's two things. People need to understand that it's possible. They need role models. They need stories. They need pictures. They need images that are not superhumans in, you know, ex Olympians or people with endless resources in Hollywood. These are just like regular people. And, you know, and like, this is how they get from A to B. And you too can do this if you want to do it. And I think as more and more of that starts to be shown, and as more and more of this science comes out into the world, it says like, what's the payoff? And the payoff is you live a longer, healthier life. Like that, that book that you mentioned mm-hmm. um, great book. next year. Yeah. Great book. So you know, once you get, you know, like they, they, what's great about that book is they vividly paint this picture of what your future could be. You know, we need to know that, that it's not like, I'm not just, you know, doing these somewhat unpleasant things to myself and bad things are going to happen to me anyway. No. So I think that there's, there's a lot of bad messaging out there. Yeah. Um, you know, the whole, all this like type two diabetes that has one cause yep. your mouth. Yep, exactly. Overeating, right. <laughs> Stop putting certain things into your mouth yeah. and you will, you know, you just, you, you just remove that comorbidity. Yeah. yeah you know, I, I think that the, whoever the CDC or whoever it was should have hired your agency to uh, rebrand <laughs> the certain things, but uh, we'll, like we could have well, a whole just, show just on that, right? They, they get scared. Like, I they're know. like, oh my God, there are all these like people out there. They're not going to be able to relate. And it's like, well, let's get real. Like, come on. Yeah. Will you tell, t- th- th- this is where you're at. This is what's going to happen. This is what you can change. It's pretty easy. Yeah. You don't want to die. Here's what you need to do. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I feel, I feel like they had a miss. Well, Again, anyway, we could talk about no. this forever. So, you know, yeah. again, I, I so love what you're doing with your agency and the podcast and the Aegis magazine, and we'll publish all that in the show notes. Where's it all headed? We're looking towards increasing our channels, increasing our impact, increasing the amount of people that we can reach. It, Aegis is a bit like Fight Club. Like, 
the only way you know about Aegis is somebody tells you about Aegis. Oh yeah. And then so, you get the secret code to go. And then you get the secret code, right? Yeah. <laughs> Down but, well, Lower like, East Side of New York and there you are. But you, you know, like we don't do billboards. We don't do like, right. we don't do, do any of that. So, you know, I think having more impact, more influence and moving this conversation forward. And b- because I... You know, I just tell people like it is. I'm not a bad guy. I'm not a mean guy. I'm just mm-hmm. going to say like, hey, if you do X, you're going to get Y. You want it's Y? Not just, okay. And let me Go just on. say, because I've looked at your magazine and, and listened to your podcast. It's not just you. I mean, you have oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. many great role models who, <laughs> no, who are modeling me. great yeah. behavior, right? That's so. right. Yeah, that's right. It's me. Like I kind of, I'm the director of the you're thing. You're the curator, right? Yeah. Right. But yeah, I mean, there, I don't know how many people we've, a lot. So I almost titled this podcast, I'm Not Done Yet, because I feel like I'm not done yet. So what aren't you done with yet? Oh, everything. I'm such a late <laughs> bloomer. My God. Uh, I don't think you're a late bloomer. I mean, think about that photography career, but keep going. Yeah. Yo, well, I tell you, you know, like I'm, I'm doing like magazine covers. And I'm doing like big advertising campaigns. You know how many like people from the outside contact me every year who are not like part of my industry, like one, okay, two, and like, so what's the impact that I have now is like, you know, it's, I'm not like Oprah, but it's like, I got, I got, I've got influence. I've got, right. Influence. Yeah. You speak, you give TEDx talks, yeah. everything. Right. Like right. I, I changed, like you do one of my super age masterminds. I change your life. Oh, it's so cool. Uh, yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's just right. amazing. It's just wonderful. That to me is incredibly rewarding. You know, when people write me back and they're like, you changed my life and you don't, and it's not big stuff. It's just little stuff. You change mm-hmm. 1% a week. That's 52% a year. That's all you got to do. So I, you know, more, more of that. Is what oh, that's wonderful. Well, David, thank you so much for being on yeah. the show. Uh, we've got lots of things to put into the show notes. We'll publish how to get to the magazine, the podcast, everything. Thank and you. where else can our listeners find you online? Just type in ages. You, you okay. never forget it. It's like racist, sexist. Type in ages. <laughs> highly, highly memorable. Okay. All um, right. Well, and, thank you very um, much. Super age. Yeah. All very right. good. Thanks. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks for joining me today to listen to the Third Act podcast. You can find show notes, guest bios, and more at thirdactpodcast.com. If you enjoyed our show today, please subscribe and write a review on your favorite podcast platform. I'm your host, Liz Tinkham. I'll be back next week with another guest who's found new meaning and fulfillment in the third act of their life.